Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. It is now March 2022, and we know that back in March 2020, our lives changed in many different ways because of the worldwide pandemic of COVID-19. Churches were closed, businesses were closed, people really were suffering. And so last year, on the one-year occasion of the COVID-19 situation, I sat down and had a conversation uh, with a researcher from the University of Dayton and talked about Mary's role in the COVID-19 pandemic. And so here we are on the second anniversary. We just had a variant that was you know, very contagious, spreading quite rapidly among people, lots of people getting infected and and people still dying. And so as we mark this second anniversary, I thought it would be appropriate again to have our second conversation about Mary in the COVID-19 pandemic situation. And I was really inspired and touched by Dan Venezia, who I heard on many Hail Marys at a time. So a few months ago, he was a guest on this daily rosary that they pray on Instagram, and I've been a guest myself a few times, and he shared his rosary story and his story about having COVID. I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to share his story here on how they love Mary. And so I welcome to the show, Dan Venezia. Hey, Father Red, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a blessing to be here. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you agreed to this. And, you know, one of the ways that I was tipped off to the fact that you were going to be on many Hail Marys at a time, I can't say that I watch it or listen to it every day, but I do tune in every now and again. And uh, a lot of times I'll actually get tagged because I've written a lot of rosary resources. And so back in 2020, I wrote a set of rosary meditations for the COVID-19 pandemic. And so kind of incorporating a prayer intention to each mystery. And so they tagged me the day you were on saying that they were going to use these meditations that I had written. And so that's how I really got tuned into who you are and your story. And I thought it would be, again, hearing your story about the rosary and COVID, I thought was one that I wanted to definitely share. But before we get to that, you have a strong background in fitness and in sports. And in fact, you were drafted by the Minnesota Twins. So can you just share a little bit about your career in sports? Sure. So um, I was, you know, I had a dream of playing Major League Baseball, just like most you know, young little league players, uh, you know, since I was old enough to hold a bat. And and that dream came to fruition, you know, getting drafted by the Minnesota Twins back in 1993, uh, right out of college. It was out of my senior year in college, uh, fulfilling that that dream and, and got to play parts of three seasons in their organization. In fact, I believe I played in Wisconsin as well as part of the, the Midwest League, I believe. Beloit. Is Beloit in Wisconsin? Yes, it is. It's right at the edge of the state. Yep. Yeah. So I, I spent some time, you know, traveling and, uh, you know, playing. And unfortunately, that dream didn't turn out uh, as far as I never made it to the big leagues. But I did, um, again, I got a baseball card and, and got to meet some lifelong friends. And, you know, God works in, in, you know, his plan and our plan doesn't always work out. But in this case, you know, getting released from the Twins was one of the best things that happened to me because it was just uh, two years later, I found myself on a New Jersey beach and trying to read a book. And uh, that's when our eyes met, my wife and I, uh, you know, 24 years later. 
we've lived a charmed marriage. And, you know, it's, it's funny how God closes a, in my case, he closed a window and he opened up a door of opportunity that, you know, I get to fulfill each and every day with my, my soulmate. I believe he sent me an angel. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it, baseball brought me the happiest day and the saddest day of my life back then, you know, the happiest being drafted. And then the worst day was, you know, getting called into the office and being told that, you know, you can no longer play with our organization, but it took a, a little bit of time to realize that, uh, again, God's plan and my plan weren't in sync. But now now I, I like to think that uh, I'm getting closer to, to his will and not mine. And so you live now out in New York City, and you help people become really, we could say, the better version of themselves. You're training them, you're helping them, especially in the body realm. And so we know, and your website actually says that we are mind, body, and spirit. So you definitely are emphasizing helping people to train their bodies for good fitness and good health. And uh, what does that coaching, what does that training look like? Well, you know, I, I got involved in that in 20 plus years ago and, 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 and I, I do, you know, everybody's on this craze of, of training their bodies and, and we should, because you never know when you'll need to lean on that weaponry and that armor, right? So we should take care of our bodies. I certainly needed, you know, skipping ahead. I certainly needed to rely on that armor and weaponry when I was in the hospital battling COVID. But uh, yeah, it started out as a, a sort of a transitional job. Uh, after getting released from baseball and then i just fell in love with working with people and helping them reach their goals and then that evolved to more of you know some life coaching and helping them with their their mindset and you know in regards to visualization and relaxation techniques and so forth and then you know lastly you know of those three dimensions just most recently i became this uh, bold proclaimer of the good news of jesus christ and you know i always had faith but it was always private was personal. I, I, I kept it to myself. And then just about four years ago, I felt this pull from the Holy Spirit to, to, to help people with their spirits and their souls. And uh, the irony there is, from a chronological perspective, my life's order has been, you know, body, mind, and spirit, right? Professional athlete, personal trainer, then life coach, and then, you know, uh, speaker of, of, about faith. Uh, what I an realized, evangelist, you could say almost. Well, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, I got a lot to make up for, a lot of lost time to make up for. But uh, what I did realize, though, and and what I can't stress enough, and it's probably I think it's on the first page of my web homepage of my website, is that we need to get the order right. And what I realized when we faced with near death is that uh, you know we need to get our spirits right. Um, our spirits, what's going to take us into eternity. You know, uh, you know, our bodies are just a shell. So, yeah, work out your body, work out your mind. And, and what, I, what I've learned is that, especially during stress, times of stress and turmoil, especially during the challenging times, that we need to put our spirits first. We need to put our faith first. And that's why in the book it's faith, fo focus, and then fitness. Um, I think too many of us, um, you know, we say it the wrong way. Even the schools, even Catholic schools, by the way, They'll say mind, body, spirit, and and I get it. You're going to, you're going there to go to school, but you know we should be focused more on on training the soul, and then you know let the rest fall in, into place. And you mentioned you know 
one of the ways that we kind of focus on the spirit, we focus on our faith. You had a near-death experience, and I think we hear stories of people who have had those close calls with death, whether it was a car accident that they miraculously survived that they shouldn't have survived, or some other, you know, I had a heart attack and I was dead for three minutes and they, they, I wasn't, but I'm just hypothetically, you know, speaking. And so these moments are always moments where people have an opportunity to turn back to the Lord and they say, well, God is the giver of life and he's given me life. And now because of that, I'm going to really give my life back to him and I'm going to seek to do his will. I'm going to honor him by the life I lead. I'm going to go to mass. And these can be those moments of conversion in a person's life. And that's one of the things that I think COVID-19 really could have done and hopefully has done for a lot of people. And it, we could actually look at it now and say, well, maybe it hasn't done as much as it could have. And so, but people faced with death and especially in our Catholic mindset, living in a state of grace, you know, we don't know when COVID-19 could come for us. We don't know what our reaction is going to be to it. We don't know if we're going to be on a ventilator and they're going to withdraw it and our life is going to end as we know it. So uh, I know a few people uh, just a few months ago who were on a ventilator for a month, very faith-filled people. They went to Medjugorje several times, involved in prayer groups, but, um, you know, they, they succumbed to COVID-19 and they passed away. They were a bit older in age, but we just never know. And so I think it gives gives us a greater awareness of our mortality. One of the things that I wish maybe COVID-19 would have done would have been not, you know, in, in the sense that we closed our churches. And so it should have created a greater hunger for the people of God. My church was closed. I couldn't receive the Eucharist or the sacraments or whatever as frequently as I had been. And so it should have created this great spiritual hunger but we saw kind of a little apathy enter in and people saying, well, you know, this was a part of my life, but I'm okay without it now. And they just really haven't gotten back into the habit of mass and things of that nature. So, so that's kind of the downfall, I think, too, of the COVID-19 situation. And we're talk I'm talking with you today because you wrote a book called Surviving COVID-19, How Faith, Focus, Fitness, and hydroxychloroquine saved my saved me, and um, so you were one of the first people, you know, in the early 2020s that came down with COVID, and there was a lot of uncertainty in your treatment. So, can you share your story about COVID 19? Sure, and amen. By the way, Father Ed, uh, you know it's during those challenging times when God God's there, right? We're, we're the ones that leave. We leave the faith that when, when people. I hear people say often that uh, I left, uh, you know, I left the faith or I lost my faith. Um, and it's not a, a wallet or a set of car keys, right? It's a gift given to us by the almighty God. And, and Jesus is always there. We're the ones that sort of leave. And it's during those moments when things are going well, like when I was playing uh, baseball and I was doing well and I was leading the team in batting average and stolen bases, I didn't really find a need for God. And I think... You know, that's a way that God enters our lives when we, we get to the point when we're, we're, we're struggling and we're in those moments of stress and, and turmoil. And COVID-19 was certainly one of those where some people moved closer and others sort of, you know, felt that they didn't have the need for God. I was one of those that felt that I needed more. I needed more of the sacraments, I need sacraments more of the saints, more of mass. And uh, so I'll, I'll explain to you what exactly happened. It was actually, ironically, Palm Sunday of 2020. 
uh, I believe that was April 1st. Um, and I was sick for 11 straight days. I had a fever of 103 degrees. Uh, it was at the beginning at the epicenter, Northern New Jersey. I work in New York city. So, you know, we got hit the worst and, and they didn't really know how to treat it. And, uh, on the, on that 11th or 12th day, I couldn't breathe. Uh, you know, in the meantime, the doctors were telling me to take Tylenol, stay at home, quarantine and, and the Tylenol wasn't working. Uh, and it was that Palm Sunday morning, it was virtual mass. And, uh, not only was I not in the pew snuggled up next to my wife and kids, but I was quarantined from them in my bedroom. And, and, uh, Monsignor said something that was so profound. It was the only thing that I remembered and thank God I did because I would need to sustain those words through the coming days. But he said that during challenging times, we should never feel sorry for ourselves, that Jesus never felt sorry for himself. And in fact, those words were so powerful that I begin my book with, with, with that quote from my good friend, Monsignor Gino Silver. And, uh, you know, that night my fever spiked to 104, my O2 levels plummeted below 90. Uh, the roommate, the fellow, the older fellow that I was rooming with in the hospital, he didn't make it, uh, through the night. I, I, I kind of learned from him what he wasn't doing. You know, he wasn't rolling over onto his stomach. He wasn't using the breathing spirometer. And uh, they wheeled him off to the ventilator, which might as well have been a death sentence the next morning. And, uh, you know, I was at the lowest point of my life at that moment. And it wasn't my first near-death experience, by the way. I had a car accident 20-plus years ago, a head-on collision that might make for another conversation. But uh, I could feel death creeping in. Um, and when I say that, my muscles were sort of disintegrating right in front of my eyes like a wilted flower. And I wanted to escape. Maybe it was an hallucination, but I wanted to get out of there. And and I looked down at my legs. I had the legs of a very old man. Um, and I thought better of it. You know, I needed the oxygen. I had an IV in. I wasn't on a ventilator, but I there's no way I was getting on that ventilator. And uh, it was at that moment, uh, that first night, when I was, you know, the despair turned to, turned to anxiety, to doubt. You begin to question God. And I questioned him, you know, unlike... Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, saying, not my will, but yours be done. I was questioning God saying, I'm not ready yet. You know, I want to be around and send my boys off to college. I want to be there for my wife in retirement. I, I got a lot more to do. And uh, obviously it wasn't God's will either. Maybe, you know, I was just being tested. But uh, I heard the words in my heart from my Monsignor, never feel sorry for yourself. And that was one of those God moments I had in the hospital where I was, I was pretty sure I wasn't, I was going to get out of there. But, uh, the next morning my fever broke and, uh, it hasn't been back since, by the way, I got out of the hospital on Holy Thursday, three days later. And it was a, a record uh, for the hospital at the time where the average COVID-19 patient was seven to 14 days. I couldn't have my family there, but, uh, you know, we talked about those dimensions it was amazing how my whole life had, I had perspective. Uh, it was as if God was giving me wisdom at that moment that everything that happened in my life happened for a reason. All of the training as a trainer and a coach, you know, I'd sculpted my own body. I had sculpted the bodies of my clients. So I, I knew I needed to get my body right. And I was, I was doing, you know, bicep curls with the Poland spring water bottles. I was doing laps around the room. Uh, for my cardio. And then, you know, all of the work as a life coach, I knew about focus 
I knew about setting goals. You know, my, my intention was to write my goals down because they said you can't leave the hospital until you were three days without fever. So, so that Monday my fever broke and I told everyone that came into the room, the doctors, the nurses, the cleaning people that I was getting out on Holy Thursday because I knew it was three days and I knew they would test me. They'd have me jog in place or do jumping jacks without the oxygen in for a couple of minutes. I was doing it for 20, 30 minutes at a time. So, you know, it's like having the answers to a test. It's like going in prepared. I knew I was going to get out of there. And then finally, lastly, and most importantly, uh, my faith, you know, just becoming that bold proclaimer of the good news just a few years prior, I knew the importance of prayer. I knew that that we had people praying for me. There were prayer chains across the country with my former teammates for the twins, you know, my the, the parents from the high school, Catholic high school, my boys attend, they were, they were having these prayer sessions for me. And then I learned that the cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Patterson, uh, because of the virtual masses, you, you know, you could fill those churches up three times, five times over that 5,000 people were praying. So I, when I say I can feel those prayers, I, I felt the presence of God in that room and I knew I was getting out. And on Holy Thursday, you know, they, they, my, I exited the freedom. They wheeled me to the front door and I, and I went back home and, you know, by Easter Sunday was the first day I really started feeling better. And what I describe in the book and, and also I've, I've had the luxury of sharing the story on, you know, national TV and radio. And, and, uh, I say that on Easter Sunday morning, I woke up to a, a choir of angels and they were birds and they were singing outside, outside my window. And you talk about, God being present and healing and restoring. But um, I know we're going to get to Mary later on, but there was another moment. I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on that story in the hospital that was profound. Uh, and then I, you know, come to realize that how important she was and how relevant she was for me that, that, you know, during that stay in the hospital. So you're a Roman Catholic. You're watching the virtual mass of your parish on Palm Sunday, you're inspired by those words that the Monsignor spoke in his homily. And uh, really, that became your rallying cry as you responded and fought COVID-19 in the hospital. As you were sharing your story, too, I couldn't help but think of the significance of the three days, just to the fact that you were kind of having your own mini death and resurrection, in a sense, uh, in that time in the hospital, just as we were getting ready to celebrate that on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday with the Triduum. So those three days. And so there's a lot of symbolism there, I think, for sure. And as you mentioned, Mary plays some role in this. So how does Mary interject herself into your COVID-19 story and your story of faith? Okay, let, let me just backtrack about what you just said there for a moment, if you don't mind. Sure, Father sure. Ed. Um, as far as the, the symbolism, yeah, it was Holy Week, and, and there's certainly uh, symbolism there for sure. I enter the hospital Palm Sunday. I get out on Holy Thursday. I feel better on Easter Sunday. But by no means do I want to compare, you know, what the, the what I went through to what our Lord went through for us, um, you know what, and that's what I get through the Rosary, sure. sort of reliving that pain of of Jesus being scourged and the crowning and the carrying and the crucifixion. Um, but uh, there is, you know, I, I did lose twenty five pounds. My body did hurt to the touch. But by no means do I want anyone to, you know, I don't want any misconception that I'm comparing myself to what to what he went through. But there is symbolism because it did happen during the, the holiest week of the year. Um, in regards to Mary, 
there was a time in the hospital when I wanted to turn the television off. And, and this was because uh, it was spewing out the death toll numbers. They were talking about people infected and people were dying and, and they were overcrowded, you know, funeral uh, morgues and nursing homes. And, and I had visions of, of my family members being unable to, you know, have a proper viewing or, or funeral for me. And uh, it was during that time when I finally got to the remote control uh, nestled somewhere in the bed. And, and when I hit it, my eyes were closed and I heard the Our Father being prayed by a woman. And then I heard the Hail Mary and I opened my eyes and there was this little old lady nun on the television, EWTN, we all know her as Mother Angelica, I learned later. Even as a lifelong Catholic, I didn't know who Mother Angelica was. I'm embarrassed to say that. And uh, it that was a God moment for me, for sure. Uh, God was... You know, for me, I, I and I've even said this on national TV. I was on the on the uh, Christian Broadcasting Network 700 Club, and and I remember saying to them that Jesus was my best doctor. I stand by that statement. Prayer was my best medicine. I also stand by that. But I said that Mother Angelica was my nurse, and at the at the time, I felt that way because God was certainly utilizing her as a as a messenger, as a conduit, and I prayed that rosary with her and but i knew i was getting out of the hospital at that moment there was no doubt i had clarity i was getting out of there and it was only the third time in my life i'm now 40 i guess eight years old at the time third time in my life that i prayed the rosary i prayed at a uh, a catholic retreat and then i my first catholic retreat like three or four years prior and the second time was at a pro-life mass at, the, at my cathedral so this was the third time that I can remember in my adult life. I'm sure as a child I did, but third time. And I wasn't counting the beads. I wasn't looking at the clock. I wasn't worried about the repetition, which is what kept me away from the rosary for all those years. I said my one Hail Mary a night. I thought that was enough. I didn't. I don't think it was taught properly to me at the time because I didn't know about the meditations. I just said, why do I need to pray 50 or 150 Hail Marys? Um, so I, I, I was never... I was never keen to praying it, but at that moment I did. And that gave me spiritual food for my soul. And I got out of that hospital. So I've been sharing with the world that, you know, mother Angelica was my nurse. It took me 15 months. So that, so then I have this pull to write the book. As soon as I get out of the hospital within six months, it's the first book out on the subject and make no mistake. I'm not an author, by the way, the Holy spirit was the breath behind every word of that book. Um, and, uh, so Holy Spirit was pulling me to, to, to write in and to share the story. And uh, this Marian Epiphany is, is not in the book. It'll have to be the sequel because, uh, as I said, at the time, I kept telling everyone that would listen about Mother Angelica showing up. I mean, that was a sign for sure. And it gave me what I needed, right? And then it wasn't until this past summer in July, there was a string of events that took place. First, I'm watching the, the the show The Chosen. I don't know if you're a fan of it or if you've watched any of it. Yes, I've uh, seen it. John. I actually uh, was very blessed uh, when they had their Christmas special. I went to their premiere out in Washington D.C. So I'm a big fan of The Chosen for sure. Oh, wonderful! Right, so so I am too. And and uh, I started watching some YouTube videos of the actor that plays Jesus, who does a fantastic job, Jonathan Rumi, and and he's a he's a what he calls a born again Catholic and man of strong faith. So I just started 
listening to some of his interviews. Then I hear him interviewing or uh, being interviewed by Scott Hahn. And again, embarrassed, lifelong Catholic, uh, that I didn't know who Scott Hahn was. And I was intrigued by him, of course. He's a, you know, a living saint and his, it, it, you know, he's able to articulate the faith in such a genuine way. Uh, and then he interviews Keith Nestor, who's also a convert, like Dr. Hahn. I hear Keith Nestor talk about Father Don Calloway, who has this book out on the rosary and how it's a, you know, it's a sword. And now I'm intrigued because it was never described to me, the rosary as a sword, right? So then um, I, I listened to Father Don Calloway's conversion story. And that's when I had my moment of truth because he mentioned during his conversion uh, when he gave himself to the Lord and to Mary that he felt nestled in her arms. He felt like a baby, an infant uh, in, in Mary's arms. And that's when the bell went off for me. It was my aha moment saying that it wasn't Mother Angelica. Yes, she she served a purpose, but my true nurse, my real nurse, was the sinless, the immaculate, the perfect, God's masterpiece, our Blessed Virgin, Mary. And uh, I never mentioned her by name for 15 months, not in the book, uh, other than the Hail Mary, as being uh, the intercessor, the, 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 the woman that sort of, the mother that stepped in to help me because... During that time, you couldn't have visitors in the hospital. And, you know, when you're sick, you know, I think we all would say, who do you want with, with you in the hospital when you're sick? I think people would say their mother. And I couldn't have my biological mother there, but God did one better. He sent our spiritual mother, my mom, into the room that day. And she's the one that gave me that strength, that consolation, that comfort. And, you know, just as she gave all of those sort of attributes to the apostles, you know, after Jesus was, was, uh, you know, had died and, and had risen. And just as she nurtured uh, the infant Jesus and she nurtured the infant church, she was nurturing me in the hospital that day. And uh, when I had this moment, I just grabbed that rosary and I began to pray it every day in July, one a day, you know, the joyful, then the sorrow, you know, go through it through the week. And then, I decided to, to take it up a notch on her birthday, September 8th. Uh, I'd call the three-run home run. I went right to the joyful, the sorrowful, and the, the glorious. And I began to pray those daily. And then uh, I decided that my goal for 2022, the beginning of January, is I was going to add the luminous to the mix. So uh, I guess you could call it a grand slam. So since January 1, I've been praying all four. I've already prayed all four this morning. You know, and uh, by no means are they perfect, Father Ed. You know, I figure I got a lifetime to try to perfect them. Um, I've tried it every which way. I've prayed them lying down, standing up, kneeling. On This morning, I'm on the Stairmaster. Sometimes I multitask. I do it while I'm driving. And and again, some might say, you know, and, they're, and, I'm, and I'm experiencing this, but I'm going to give it the full year, that quality is better than quantity that rather than just checking the box and getting them all in, that maybe I should only be praying one and, and getting it right. Uh, but my, my goal is to pray all four of them, at least through, throughout the year. And uh, maybe, maybe there'll be a sequel to the book. But, but uh, if I can make any point uh, on this podcast, it would be that uh, I'm so in love with Mary. It's a spiritual love that I can't get enough of her, of her humility, of her love of neighbor, 
of her poverty of spirit, of her purity of mind, of her obedience to the Lord. And uh, I'm on fire with her at the moment. And uh, I'm hoping that, to sort of share that with others that may look to the rosary as being too repetitious or not understanding it. But it's really about those meditations, the life, the death, and the resurrection. And every day when I sort of, you know, go back to those moments of, of what Jesus did for us, especially uh, with, the, with the, the passion and the fact that he died for you and for me just blows me away. And I never... I never thought about it that way. And, and the one thing I would say to someone is if, if someone pushed you out of the way of a moving train and took your place and died for you, you know, I asked the person, how often would you think of that person? And it would be every day, of course. So, you know, as Christians, as Catholics, sometimes we get content uh, and we get stagnant and we spin our wheels and we show up at church, but we're really not thinking about it, what the rosary does is it makes me present during, during uh, Jesus's life, his death and his resurrection is during his ministry. And uh, it, it helps me to want to get that, get to that state of grace. I'm not there yet, but I'm trying father. I know that was a long winded story. There's so much more I could talk about, but. Uh, yeah. I really love the fact that you mentioned that mother Angelica was your nurse and then I think as you weave in now, Mary was really your visitor, as you mentioned, you know, that by Mary, you know, you were nurtured. She, you know, you couldn't have guests, you couldn't have your family there mm-hmm. and all that. So really Mary came to visit you just as she comes and she visits mm-hmm. so many people, you know, uh, we think of these different Marian apparitions. And so you had this great awakening in terms of your relationship to the Blessed Mother uh, through a lot, a lot of these different stories and especially Father Calloway. So I'm wondering, since this kind of awakening and this deepening of your devotion, your daily praying of the rosary, has there been any Marian apparition that you've become familiar with that really has touched your heart and your soul? Well, of course, Fatima, right? I mean, that you know, but I don't know if I'd call, you're saying, I mean, I, I don't think I had the apparition, right? I oh, mean, no, I no. agree with you. She was a visitor. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, um, I don't tend to look for those. I don't look for signs. God has, God has given me so many. I've been so blessed uh, throughout my life, uh, not only surviving two death act, uh, experiences, but meeting my wife and, you know, again, uh, having this visitor that you so uh, beautifully described you know, I'm calling her my nurse now, but you're right. She was a visitor. She visited me that day in the hospital. Um, there's, there's none, there's no one that jumps out at me. I know, you know, all of these statues where she's crying and, um, yeah, none of them really jump out. I, I'm really just, I'm trying not to read a lot about what other people have experienced. I'm trying to just dive headfirst into those meditations and I'm trying to sort of absorb them all to, to, to get my own perspective on it and, and to have her speak to me and Jesus and Joseph. I'll, I'll tell you what, what really also helped with Father Calloway is I read his book, Consecration to St. Joseph. And that's been tremendous in, in helping me become a better father and husband. I thought I was a pretty good one until I read the book, by the way. Uh, what, you know, I didn't have a biological father um, because I was born and raised by a single parent mother my father was abusive in, in many different ways, even spiritually, you know, as a 
he claims to be a, a believer, but his actions certainly didn't dictate um, his words. And um, what I realized is that uh, what I what I used to say was that we we all have our father to look to. That if someone doesn't have a biological father, we can always go to our father in heaven. But what I realized since, and again, this is just only my take on it, is that we should go to St. Joseph because he's technically our spiritual father, just as Mary's our spiritual mother. And, you know, our father in heaven is a, is a being, right? Uh, Joseph was a human. He, he, you know, had to protect his family. He, he was just, he was obedient. He was chaste. He was, uh, you know, the protector of the Holy family. And, I think looking to St. Joseph, I want to be more of all of the above. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I'm certainly trying. And I think as you pray the rosary, uh, especially as you pray the joyful mysteries, you're able to look at the person of Joseph and you can ask St. Joseph, you know, how can you inspire me as I pray this rosary? The fact that he does obey the angel and takes Mary into his home. Um, the idea that Joseph probably journeyed with Mary to the visitation, got her there safely, and then maybe then returned home, only to return back uh, to find her and to, to bring her home. So Joseph leading them to Bethlehem and, and that action of Christ being born and his presence there. So there's so much for us to think about, especially as we pray, as we think about the mysteries, we call that meditation. We, we meditate on what this mystery means. And so I think as you continue to pray these four, these four sets of mysteries throughout the year, you're going to come to great new insights in the spiritual life about how Jesus is speaking to you, what each mystery means, and how you can live that mystery then in your life. Amen. Amen, Father. It's been a, it's been a wonderful journey. Um, I'm looking forward to each and every day getting closer to, you know, again, to, to Jesus through Mary and now also through Joseph. And, and these are, uh, these have been blessings, you know, having, having Mary is a, a really appreciate your insight as far as Mary being a visitor, having her visit me in the hospital has been life changing. You know, I now have, uh, some artwork in my house. I can't get enough of it, of the visitation, I have one of of the Annunciation and then the Agony in the Garden. I have like maybe four or five pieces. And, you know, I, I don't want to do it all at once, but hopefully at some point I'll have all 20 of them. And to create conversation when people come over, uh, you know, of that, uh, especially that visitation. You have two pregnant women, right? In my foyer, when you walk in my home, there's this giant size depiction of Mary and Elizabeth, and they took it from the movie The Nativity. I think it was Marie Lang who, who was the artist. She drew it from that scene, and it's wonderful. Mary's looking down at her at her her, her stomach, and Elizabeth's looking up, and they both have this this joy on their on their faces, and it's pro life that you know that we know that uh, life begins at conception till natural death. It also shows a, a love of neighbor. It shows humility uh, that she said yes. And uh, that's been helpful to me every day. Like, I want to say yes a little more to, to be more in tune to what our Father in heaven is saying to us and to say yes more. And I think if we live a life like that, and make, make no mistake, Father, I'm just a messenger here. Uh, most of the time, I'm the one in most need of the message. I always make sure I say that 
because I don't want to come across that I have all the answers because I don't. I'm on a journey. Uh, I want to get to heaven. But I found Mary at, at age 50 years old, you know, never really thinking about her other than during Christmas time at the Nativity. And it's because uh, it's I really didn't understand her. And she showed up. She was patient with me. God was patient with me. And uh, now I want to share it with the world uh, in, in an effort to bring other people to Jesus through Mary and, and now through Joseph as well. Maybe two things to say there. The first is, is you know, going back to the idea of Mary visiting you. Sometimes how I think about the rosary is that it's really Mary leading us through the storybook of Jesus's life. And so sometimes I even encourage people. I say, well, you could ask the Blessed Mother, well, allow me to understand this mystery in a new way that I've never understood before. And so in some way that it becomes a little conversive. And so uh, that's how Mary can speak with you and you speak with her. And that's really then a personal visitation in that sense as we pray the rosary. And secondly, I just love your zeal, your fire for the Blessed Mother. There was another individual uh, who I've gotten to know very well. Uh, we're on a text message chain among friends and such, and his name is Kevin Matthews. Kevin Matthews uh, was a radio show host down in Chicago uh, for many, many years. He comes down with MS, and so he, um, you know, is let go from his job. He's working on that on on his healing and recovery, etc. And then uh, he finds a statue of Mary, and it was a broken statue. So he wrote a book called Broken Mary. But Kevin Matthews is one of the most on-fire people for the Blessed Mother that I know in my life. And now I would add you to this category of people. And so <laughs> so I'm going to drop your name to him, and, and uh, now I've dropped his name to you. And, and uh, maybe you two could team up uh, to do some good work for the Blessed Mother as lay evangelists. Uh, well, I'm, I'm humbled to be considered in such good company. Uh, again, I'm on the journey, I, I, but, I, but I, it's the truth. I can't get enough of, of our blessed Virgin Mary. She's, she's perfect. She's uh, sinless. She's God's masterpiece. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's spread the word as often as we can because, you know, put, Father Calloway says it often. He says, if you want to get to the girl... What do you? Where do you go? You get you go to the mother, right? If you're trying to date a girl, you 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 put it. You, you go to the mother, so the mother puts a good word in for you. And that, you know, uh, it's such a misconception even among our our Christian brothers and sisters. And and I hope to build bridges rather than have this sort of uh, issue of you know you guys worship Mary. We I don't worship Mary. None of us worship Mary. We ask her for her intercession. We, we pray to her, but uh, it's Jesus, of course. So uh, I think that's a misconception. And, uh, you know, Mary is the mother of, of God. She's, she, uh, she's our mother, too. Uh, so it's been a great, theory, uh, a great journey. And uh, I'm so excited to, to, again, share this with you in the world. And all because Mother Angelica was your nurse during a very difficult time in which she prayed the rosary through television. And so what a wonderful story about the evangelization that Mother Angelica has accomplished, uh, even from beyond the grave now. And so Dan Venezia is the author of Surviving COVID-19, How Faith, Focus, Fitness, and Hydroxychloroquine. Notice I say that quietly, uh, saved me. And so he recounts his story of how he battled COVID-19 in the early days of people want to learn more about you and your work and get your book how can they do that oh thank you well you could go to danvenezia.com 
and uh, there's a link there. You can go right to Amazon and and pick up the book. I think, you know, the story. I believe that my story can help someone with theirs. Uh, it's a story about faith. It's a story about hope. It's a story about love. And surviving COVID is just the cover story, by the way. I mean, it, it begins with COVID in the hospital. And it ends with COVID. But it's a journey. It's a, it's a love story. It's about uh, all those moments of faith throughout my life where God was speaking to me. Sometimes I was listen, listening and many times I wasn't. Um, and, uh, again, I think this, this, this book will provide people with hope uh, that there's a God out there that cares and loves you, uh, so much and wants you to be, he just wants you at the end of the day. He doesn't want you to check the boxes. Of course, he wants you to come to his church and he wants you to receive the sacraments and all of that. But at the end of the day, he wants you. So, uh, uh, I've learned to be more in tuned to what our father is saying. And hopefully as each passing day goes by, I, I can move myself closer towards that journey, towards towards the world series for me now it's not it's not on the baseball field but it's uh it's up in heaven yeah the world series will be the final game up there in heaven the reward mm. of our life here on earth well thanks so much for sharing your story with me i'll post links to all of those uh in the show notes so that people can readily find them and uh, thanks so much for being a guest today on how they love mary it's been a pleasure god bless you thanks for listening to today's show i hope that my conversation with today's guest was one that enriched you spiritually and also helped you to foster a deeper love for the blessed virgin mary if you enjoyed this podcast, could you do me a favor? Go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast so that others might find it as a recommended podcast from other Catholic podcasts that they might listen to. And if you don't mind, share about the show on social media so that your friends and family might come to find it and be enriched by our conversations as well. And if you don't mind, you can follow me on social media at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And this show, How They Love Mary, will soon be a book available from Sophia Institute Press. You can already go over to their website and pre-order How They Love Mary. Thanks so much for listening. May God bless you today. Know of my prayers for you. And may Mary pray for you today and always.